So, so the, the last few weeks, we've talked about finances, and finances is truly a tough thing to talk about, especially when you're a church that relies on tithes and offerings and donations from the congregation. You know, we definitely don't want to be one of those churches that every time you come into the building, we talk about money. But the fact of the matter is, without the finances and the generous giving of the people in this church, uh, this building uh, would not be able to, to do the job that God meant for it to do. Um, I'm, I'm sure if this is just a sign out there on the corner and it said BCC Church and this is a big field, then none of us would be here. But, but, uh, but you know, we, we rely on, on, on our donations and our tithes and our offering. And, um, you know, one thing that, that, that um, you know, we rely on those, but, but God doesn't really rely on those. You know, he doesn't actually need our money. But as we learn, as we grow in Christ, I've learned more and more how important it is um, to, to be able to bless people with our money. And, and so God wants to know that our focus on him is greater than our focus on our finances. Because our finances oftentimes can get in the way of being who all we should be for God. And so today's message is about investing for the future. And when we're done with this message, hopefully we'll be able to wrap up the series of finances and we'll all have a pretty good grasp on what God intended our finances to be like. So, so I'm going to talk about investing and investing for the future. And we're, and we're going to just uh, um, see what God's desire for our lives on investing is. And so if, if, if we took a poll today on investing and, and we asked all you guys to give you your opinion on, on investing, I'm sure we would have about as many different opinions on investing as there are people in the congregation. You know, the fact of the matter is that we all come from different income levels. And so, and so you know, some of us uh, have been fortunate enough to, to, to work a pretty decent paying job and, and, and investing has not been an issue for us. And so others of us uh, are, are, are maybe along the middle of the road and, and would like to invest. We'd like to be able to do more, but for some reason we just can't seem to, to, to invest like we would, would, would like to. Um, and then there are others here that investing is, is not anywhere in view. And it's, it's difficult for them to fathom how they could, could uh, be able to invest when, when it's difficult to make ends meet. And so, so our income has a lot to do with our, our, our vision, our focus on investing. Another thing that has something to do with it is age. Age has an effect on, on, on what we think about investing. And, and some of us are, are, are younger and we're just starting out and we, we've got our thoughts about, about college and how we're going to pay for that and, and, and all the burdens that come along with that. And so we're not thinking a whole lot about investing. Then others uh, may be right out of college and, and really this group of people would probably have, have the best opportunity to invest. They're, they're just starting out. They're single. Maybe if you're not married yet and you're working a job, then you probably have as, as much liquid funds as anybody else that you could probably invest. We have those that are starting out with, uh, with a new, new families and, and all the burdens that come along with that, all, all the things that tend to weigh us down and, and, and having to, to doctor bills and, and all the extracurricular activities that go along with kids and starting a house and buying furniture and keeping your cars on the road. You know, there's a lot of financial burdens that go along with that. And so, and so um, that class of people struggle to, to invest. Um, 
those that are like myself that are on the, the back end of, of, you know, our kids are getting older now and they're starting to move out. And we really probably are, you know, would be in the age group where, where we could invest, but we don't have as much time left anymore because we're looking at retirement. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, then there are those that are already retired and hopefully they're reaping the benefits of, of wise choices in investing and, and able to, 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 to live a life that, that uh, is comfortable for them. And so the third thing that I came up with, it has an effect on our thoughts on investment, our life experiences. Some of us in this congregation were very blessed and very privileged to grow up with parents that, that could invest, that taught us the importance of investing, that gave us a firm foundation so that we could go out and we could start a, a, a life that, that was going to make us comfortable. And still others, we were in middle America, and, and if we're fortunate, our, our, our um, employer pays for part of our retirement, but that's something that's becoming less and less in society. You just can't find that as much anymore. And then we have those that maybe were never taught anything about investing. Um, not taught, they, they uh, you know, our, our, our life um, experiences didn't lead us to invest, and so we never really thought much about it. So investing is very, very huge. And so what I want to do is I want to share a little bit about myself. You see, I grew up When I grew up, we didn't have a whole lot of money. Um, when I share with my wife, she says, no, the reality is that you were poor. And so, and so we grew up without much money. Most of my life, uh, my mother worked part-time jobs and odd jobs just to, to try to bring funds into the house. Um, most of that was supplemented by welfare and uh, food stamps. Um, at, the age of, at the age of 10, my father wasn't at home. And so I had many of the struggles that a person growing up um, in, in, a, in a low, poor, unstable home would have. I had a lot of those struggles. Um, no family structure. I struggled with grades. No desire. No knowledge. No understanding of even going to college. I'm sharing this because Many of us, I know, are probably still in that same boat. I'm sharing this to, to, to let you know that I understand what it's like to struggle financially. And so, as a Christian, when it comes to investing, I believe, or anything else in life, when it comes to doing anything in life, I believe that we need to look at what the Scriptures say about investing. And so one of the first scriptures I chose was Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. And it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. 
And so it's very easy to read the scripture and come to the conclusion that all we need to do is being concerned about, all we need to do to be concerned about is investing in our future in heaven and not worry about our future here on earth. After all, you know, when you read in the scriptures, you read about all the rich people in the scriptures and none of those people are getting into heaven, so I'm not sure I want to be one of those people. (laughs) So why do I want to save up for my my treasure here on earth? Because I definitely don't want to be excluded in that group. You know, we go on to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19, and it says something similar to that. It says, Command those that are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. You see, in the scripture, God is not telling us to, that we shouldn't invest in our future. What he's saying is that, that we need to put him first and focus on good deeds that build up a treasure in heaven. We shouldn't be focused in stockpiling our little nest egg, but what we should be focused on first and foremost is investing in our treasures in heaven. You know, by simply... Investing in people's lives is what God is calling us to do. Does that mean we shouldn't be concerned about investing at all? Let's take a look a little further. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20. And it says, The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but the fools gulp theirs down. You know, I really like Proverbs because Proverbs says it pretty simple. I don't know how many times I've read Proverbs and considered myself a fool. (laughs) You know, and and, and, and if you read that, Solomon just just throws it out there. You know, he he, he just lays it down. So whenever I read Proverbs, it's really an eye-opening experience. And he just says it pretty straight and simple. You don't really have to guess what Solomon's saying. You know right away if you're in the wise or if you're in the foolish. So, so I, I really enjoy Proverbs, and, and there, are, there, there are many similar verses to this in Proverbs and throughout the Bible that talk about the importance of being prepared. You know, the, the, the truth is that the future's coming, and it changes all the time, and we shouldn't be surprised when it changes, but oftentimes we are. You know, the fact is we're, we're all going to get a little older. You know, it, it happens. Change comes. There'll probably be a time when you, when you hope that you can work less in life. There'll, there'll probably be a time when you won't be able to work at all. And are we preparing for that? Have you prepared for that? Adversity comes to us, and it always does. We shouldn't be surprised when adversity comes. And sometimes in, in life, we're so unprepared for the adversity that we face, we think that the whole world's caving in. And oftentimes, it's just, my car needs new tires. That when, when things come your way, it shouldn't bring panic. You know, as, 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 as the church knows and as my family knows, air conditioners break down. 
you know, we had the air conditioner broke down at the church. A couple of days later, my air conditioner at home broke down. A couple of days later, my sister's air conditioner broke down, you know. And so, and so these things come our way. And we should be prepared for those things. Things wear out and break. And so oftentimes we do not have enough money to take care of the things in our life, let alone we don't have enough finances to bless other people as God calls us to do. You know, it's very easy to get distracted in life and, and, and not take care of the things that we should take, take care of. You know, and, and I know that there's some of us here that, that feel that we have very little to invest. But, 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 but the, the importance of investing is so crucial, both financially and, and, and in your future. And so Brian gave a, gave a little scenario a, a couple weeks ago about, uh, about going out to eat. He said, it said, you go out to eat, it costs on the average of $16, but to eat at home, it costs about $4. And so you actually have about $12 that if you would eat at home instead of eating out all the time, you would have an extra $12 that you could pay towards your tithe. Well, I'm going to use a, a, a similar little scenario. Now, understand that that eating out money is your tithe money. You know, we're not, we're not talking about taking any of the tithe money for investing. Tithe is what comes into the storehouse for Jesus, and that comes first. Always comes first. That, that, that's, the fir that's one of the first steps in laying up your treasures in heaven, is, 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 our, is our tithe. So, so any of investing money doesn't come from tithe money, but with the help of my wife, and my wife is... Uh, is is very smart when it comes to investments. She's at, worked in that for, for a number of years, and so so she should probably be the one up here talking about this instead of me. But but uh, but here I am. <laughs> so anyways, going to get a drink of water. So she helped me with a little scenario that that if you took twenty five dollars a month. Just $25 a month. That's $12. If you got paid every two weeks, that's $12.50 every paycheck. $12.50. If you just took $12.50, which, by the way, is about the cost of three Starbucks. So, so if you're enjoying a lot of Starbucks and you're struggling to invest, there could be, be a, a problem there. So <laughs> just, just saying that. Just saying. So, so your Starbucks money is investment money. Your eating out money is, is your tithe. No. But anyways, if you, took, if you took $25 a month and invested that into an account that drew 8% interest, and you did that for 25 years, at the end of that 25 years, you would have $25,000, which only cost you $7,500. That's the way investing works. And investing in the kingdom, I believe, works just like that. In another scenario, if you took $5,000 one time, just $5,000 one time and put it into an account making 8%, at the end of 25 years, you would have $35,000. An increase of six, six times. It only cost you $5,000 and now I've got $35,000. That's the way investment works. And by the way, $5,000 is the cost of an, is about a, a new car payment. It's $400 a month. So if you're thinking, oh, should I invest? Should I buy this new car or drive this old car that I have for another year? You have an opportunity to make a, make a good choice. You know, you can drive that old car for another year and you can invest in your future. 
And now if you took both of those, if you took the $5,000 and invested that one time, and then you took $25 every month and put that in that same account, drawing 8% interest, you put in $12,500 and you get a return of $100,000. That's the way investment works. And I can't help but to think that investment in the kingdom works the same way. So I'm going, to, I'm going to share four what I think are important keys in investing into the future. And I'm sure there are other things that we could consider too, but these are four that, that I think, think are extremely important in investing in the future. The first key to preparing for the future, I believe we need to have godly wisdom. We need to have godly wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. There, there we are again, being called fools. But. Um, so anyways, in, in 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 4 through 9, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream. And, and, and he was pleased with Solomon, by the way. Solomon was living his life. So he appeared to Solomon in a dream. He said, said, Solomon, choose anything that you want to choose. He goes, and I will grant that to you. Solomon could have chose anything. He could have chose riches. He could have chose anything. But he chose godly wisdom. And, and, and out of godly wisdom, the Psalms were born. And Solomon went on to amass would be equal to $2 trillion in today's economy, placing him as close to the top 10 richest people ever with godly wisdom. You know, godly wisdom helps us to sometimes make a difficult choice that may go against everything that we're feeling in order to make the right decision, the decision that God would make if he was standing right next to us. And ultimately, when you get down, right down to it as Christians, isn't that what we want to do? Godly wisdom is vitally important. The second thing we need to help us invest in our future is a vision. And a vision that is inspired by God. Proverbs 29, 18 out of the King James Bible, it says, Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. We need a vision. How often do we go through life without a vision for, for, for the future and for what's going on? I was reading an article this week, it talked about vision, and, and in the quote, of one of the authors said, A man without vision is a man without a future. A man without a future will return to his past. Without a vision, we struggle. The article goes on to say, vision is the bridge between the present and the future. Without it, we perish or go unrestrained. Vision gives pain a purpose, and without it, we take the path of least resistance as we try to avoid discomfort. The level of sacrifice that vision requires will, de 
will determine the size of the people who follow. Sacrifice separates the small from the great. Vision. Do you have a vision? Do you have a vision about your financial future? Do you have, do you have a vision about where God wants to take you in your life? The third thing we need is a plan. Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. How many times have we made a hasty purchase only to regret it? Haste, to me, haste is when you have a 55-inch television and the 60-inch television is $700, but they decide to drop that for about $150. And you think, hey, I'm saving money. I'm going to go buy this 60-inch television when you've got a 55-er hanging on the wall. Is that something that we really need? <laughs> haste you know haste haste is when you have the newest iPhone but the, but the new one came out they have facial recognition and now for a thousand dollars more I can open this by looking at it a thousand dollars come on people See, oftentimes, we don't consider the long-term effects of some of our hasty purchases, and they do affect us in the long run. When you think about the lines of investment and how, what a difference that makes, the how so little that we can invest today makes such a huge difference in the future, and that works in our finances, and it works in our Christian life that way, too, to invest today. And I, I might also add that if your plan for investment evolves around a lottery ticket, you need a new plan. I'm going to tell you that right now. You need a new plan. It is much easier to be disciplined in life when we have a vision and we have a plan. Every large undertaking that we see always has a plan. These large buildings don't just pop up. There's a plan and there's a, vision, there's a vision and a plan that goes into that. Every big thing has a vision and a plan. We had a vision and a plan for this church. Our lives need to be big things. We need a vision for our life and we need a plan. So that we're not just be being washed around in the ocean of life. A vision and a plan and a direction and a purpose. Lastly, number four, we need God's favor. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, 
the Israelites, that had continued to be faithful to God were in exile from Jerusalem. They were leaving the Holy of Holies, and they're on their way to Babylon. They, have, they left with only what they could carry, and these were the Christians that were faithful to God, that trusted in Him. And so because they were faithful to God and they trusted in Him, God had favor upon them. And in Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 11 through 13, this is what was told them. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me, and when you seek me, and when you seek me with all of your heart. See, God has a plan to prosper his people. And it's his desire and his plan for us is to prosper us. And I'm not, I'm not up here to, to, to share the prosper message that, that, that God's desire for us is to be rich. But God's desire is to prosper us. And prosper means that his desire is to give us a good life. That he desires to, to bless you with family. You know, blessed is the man whose quiver is full. He desires to bless you with, with, with friends. To lift you up in your job place. To lift you up in your community. To prosper you with everything that you do. That's his desire for us. And you, know, you read that throughout the whole scriptures. If you read on in the text a little further, God also had a plan for those that remained in Jerusalem. They were the false prophets. They were the people that were worshiping idols. He had a plan for them too. And that that plan included famine, plague, and the sword. Destruction for those that, that, that chose to not follow him. You see, when the Israelites went into exile, they were under God's protection. They had favor with God, and he was under, they were under his covering. And so I can remember that, that and, and, and when I was young, we grew up, the, the house we had didn't have any heat upstairs. And I can remember going to bed, and I'd always had like a, a big stack, a big pile of blankets on the bed. And I can remember going to bed at night in the wintertime, and it was really cold, and you'd cover up, roll up in a little ball, and you, you'd sleep there at night. And, and halfway through the night, I would wake up, and, and a leg would be sticking out, and it would be cold, and I would pull it back underneath the covers. And my head would be cold, and I would pull it underneath the covers. And, and sometimes in the middle of the night, I'd wake up, and I'd be in, curled up in a little ball in the middle of the bed, and uh, my blankets were down on the floor. You know, and so, so it's like, 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 you know, get those up and get back underneath the covers and get underneath the blanket. You see, I wanted the benefit of the blanket, and the only way that I could get the benefit of the blanket was if I was underneath it. And oftentimes, we want the benefit that God, the blessings that God has for us, but we don't want to bring those things underneath the blanket. We may pay our tithe, but the rest of our finances are mine. 
And they're out, under, they're out from underneath the covering of God. And if we want God to bless those, they, they've got to be underneath his covering. If we want God to bless our life, our life has to be under the covering. And the reality is the enemy, he'll bless your life. He'll allow your life to get blessed. As long as he can take you further and further away from who God is, he can distract you and pull you further and further away. And so we need to stop and take a look and see, are these things under the covering that God can bless? Is this blessing coming from God and drawing me closer to him? Or is this blessing coming from someplace else and pulling me further away from God? See, God has a desire to bless us. But it has to be under the covering. Our life has to be in line with who he is. We can't expect the blanket to keep our leg warm if it's not underneath the blanket. We can't expect to enjoy all of God's goodness unless we're under the covering. You know, in a, you know, we we've been blessed with, with, with a very nice house. Um, God blessed us with it with a nice house, and and my wife and I had talked about this for years uh, about getting getting the, the saying, "As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord." And we were up in Amish country last year or Amish area, and, and we ran across one of these stores that had a little plaque like that, you know, one of those big things you get from Hobby Lobby or something like that. And so we put that up in front of the, uh, of the door as, as, as you walk out of, the, out of the house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, Joshua twenty four fifteen. And I didn't put that there to remind me that I need to go to church on Sunday. I didn't put that there to remind me that I should pray for my meals. I put that there because I want my house to be under the covering. And a home that, that, Patty and, that God gave for Patty and I to be responsible for. And so, so when we built that house, we had eight people running around, and so, so the house suited us very well. And we would have certain rules and regulations in our house. You know, this is what, on Sunday you go to church. Why? Because I'm responsible for this home and I want it to remain under the covering so you're going to go to church. If you don't want to go to church, that's fine. There's another home, but in this home, <laughs> you're going to church. We, we want to remain under the covering. We want God's blessing on our life. We want his blessing on our home. So we want it to remain under the covering. And we've talked here recently that our house is becoming empty now and, and we've got empty bedrooms and stuff like that now. And so we've got to figure out, okay, what are we going to do? I'm like, it's God's home. He blessed us with it. It needs to be under his covering. So however he uses it, he's going to use it. And that's my desire for our home is to remain under the covering. And so in everything that we have, all our stuff, we need to bring it under the covering. We need to make sure that we're being obedient to God with it. As we move towards closing, um, we're going to look at Psalms 20, verse 4. And it says, May he give you the desires of your heart and make all your plans succeed. 
I could probably sit and talk for hours about the number of things that God has blessed me with, things that were desires of my heart. And things, things that, that, that were desires of my heart. And, 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 and later, I didn't think about those for a while. And then, then later on, you know, like three or four or five years later, I'm like, yeah, I got that. Oh, God has blessed me with that. And I could, I could give you story after story of how God's blessed me. And, and, and I truly believe that that was because, you know, at about 18 or 19 years old is when I was first saved. But about 22 years old, we had an evangelist come to the church that I was at. And, and, and he talked about not just being saved, but bringing everything to God. Bringing, bringing your future and trusting him with every single thing that we have. Trusting him with your finances and just telling God, God, whatever it is you, you want me to do, that's what I'm going to do. And, and, and I went up, up and I prayed that prayer. And I said, God, whatever it is you want me to do, I'll do it. Just don't make me preach. That, that's a true story. <laughs> and, 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 and I really feel that, that, that God started to manifest itself into my life. And so, and, so, and so what that is, is that's just making God Lord of your life. That's making him Lord of your life, Lord of everything that we have, Lord of all of our finances, Lord of our home, Lord of our family, Lord of our actions, Lord of our attitude. Lord of our heart. You know, it's not just, it's not just when I first came to God, I, I came and got saved because I didn't want the alternative. I didn't want to burn in hell. That's the, that's, I thought that that's all there was to it. But there's a lot more to it than that. If you want to live the blessings that God has for us, then we've got to bring ourselves in line with who God is. And that's in everything that we do. You see, in order for God to bless us, he needs to find favor in us. And that's not making him Lord over some things, but that's making him Lord over every single thing that we have, every single thing we have in our life so that we can enjoy his blessing. You know, it means to not continue to go along with bad habits and sin, but to allow him to walk with you and fight like crazy to overcome those things. And as, our, as we align our lives with Jesus, we start to live an unselfish life of laying up treasure in heaven and making a real difference in our family, in our community, in our church, and in our workplace. And as we are obedient to God, then he blesses our future. As we bring everything, everything that we have under under God.